Michelle Norris is passionate about paleo and determined to see her dream of changing the world for the better to come to pass. All that makes her a driving force behind the phenomena that is paleo ethics. Here is her story. Good morning, Michelle, and welcome to the Local Paleo Show. Thank you for having me. Very good to be here. Absolutely. It's our pleasure. And uh, good morning, Mark. Uh, how are you today? I'm wonderful, thank you. I can't complain at all. Well, then you shouldn't. <laughs> I won't. Yeah. I will, I will yeah. sit here okay. and not complain. Just to, okay. Just to okay, okay, okay. <laughs> just uh, making sure I understood what you said. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Michelle, thank you again for being with us. And uh, not that you need an in introduction, but you and your husband, Keith, are the founders of Paleo FS Conference. Um, remind me what you started in 2014 or 12? 12, okay. Oh, time flies, huh? Yes, it does. <laughs> so you and I met at the uh, 2014 version, uh, mm-hmm. the, Austin, the Austin one, still the original, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I have now been volunteer with, uh, you know, UFN for three years now, and that's how we know each other. Mm-hmm. So um, what can you tell us about your personal background and how you became paleo? Well, that's quite the story. Um, so this is a long time ago now. Um, probably, it's probably been 13 years. Um, Keith, uh, was actually online when there was dial-up still. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. And <laughs> he was online and he was talking actually to um, Art Devaney and Rob Wolf and um, was hearing from them about the paleo diet. And uh, they knew he was really super interested in nutrition and health and that type of thing. And so they told him all about it. And so he decided why not? <laughs> He'd try it. And uh, so he became paleo and um, he started eating obviously very oddly and very strange food. And uh, for me, because as a trained chef, my specialty was Italian. So Mm -hmm. I made my own pizza dough. I made my own pasta, um, all of that. So uh, he stopped eating all of it. And um, any time that I would make any dinner that he could not have, you know, take part of that was not paleo, he would make his own dinner. And so he was talking to me. I I was having a lot of issues at that time. Um, I had chronic fatigue, IBS, um, fibromyalgia, pretty much everything you can name with every type of chronic inflammation. I have been diagnosed with it. I had um, chronic migraines since I was 17. And um, I had also been diagnosed with early onset rheumatoid arthritis. And um, so every time I ate, I was in pain. I was in excruciating pain. My stomach hurt. I felt horrible. I was just, you know, in that brain fog of um, mm-hmm. bad food. And of course, I, <clears throat> I, had, I thought that I ate very healthy um, because I made most of my food. We didn't eat a lot of um, junk food or processed food or what we thought was processed. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, there, so it was a, a bit surprising when Keith was, uh, had gone paleo about a month in 
he had a hereditary um, type of high blood pressure. And in fact, it had gotten to the point where the doctors were saying if he didn't get it under control and he did, you know, everything that you're supposed to do when you have high blood pressure, he stopped having salt, he stopped having caffeine, which for anybody that knows Keith knows that that's like pulling teeth. Um, he stopped drinking coffee. He stopped drinking beer, um, all of these things, but nothing thing was alleviating the high blood pressure. About a month after he started paleo, um, his blood pressure was completely normal and it's never been abnormal since. And so um, he kept telling me every time I would get sick after I'd eat, he thought that I had celiac. And, right. um, you know, he's just not somebody to beat you over the head with it. Um, so he just would mention it every once in a while. You really, I think you have celiac, you should probably get tested. And it had probably been, he had been paleo for about a year, <clears throat> close to a year. And we were having some big party for one of the kids. And I was making pizzas and pasta because that's their favorite. And there he was making his own dinner. And I looked at him and I said, you're like really never going to have my pizza or pasta again, are you? And he said, no, I, and I think that you have celiac and I really think you should get it checked out. So I did. I went and got checked. Um, at the time, of course, they didn't test for the right antibodies. And um, I came up negative. But all of the symptoms and everything that I were, was displaying, my doctor was pretty convinced that I had it. And so he was talking to me and he was telling me, you know, what we want to do is do a biopsy of your colon. And he starts explaining it to me. And as he's explaining it to me, he's like, nodding off he's falling asleep while he's talking to me and i'm thinking oh yeah i don't think you're cutting into me <laughs> i don't think that's happening so um i went home i talked to keith and i went paleo and literally within six weeks no three weeks i everything was gone including early onset rheumatoid arthritis which as you know if you're diagnosed with um, rheumatoid arthritis, that doesn't go away. It can wow. go into remission. It can be become dormant, but it doesn't go away. And I have absolutely no signs of it now at this point. So I apparently had a wrong diagnosis because of all the chronic inflammation. And then uh, about, um, and I can tell you at the time, I was not real happy that, um, you know, I had to give up all these foods that I love just to be healthy. So I was in a bit of denial. And I thought, you know, at some point, I'm going to figure out how to put all this back into my diet. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know, silly, but, um, but I was angry about it. And so um, I um, was just going along, I was a food writer at the time for uh, a uh, fairly large web food website. And um, all of my food remained sad. All of it remained pastas and pizza and whatever. And so I um, didn't really get the light bulb to go off until about, I had been into paleo about six weeks and our son had a baseball game and we had not seen all of the parents for probably about 10 to 12 weeks. And um, <clears throat> when we showed up, now this is one thing, when it, women have all different sizes, or they do if they don't eat paleo. They have all these different sizes in their, um, in their closet. And so they yo-yo. And so they'll go back and forth. And you don't even notice that you're, you just know, okay, I'm starting to get back into the smaller clothes. And so um, when 
I was going into smaller clothes. I didn't even realize that it was just a normal thing for me. So um, when we saw everybody at the baseball game, they were all like, oh my God, you look amazing. You've like lost so much weight. You look so healthy. You look so vibrant. And that's kind of when the light bulb went off for me that this actually is information that could help people. So I, um, in fact, my husband says that's the day a paleo evangelist was born because um, I immediately resigned from the, the um, food website I was writing for and started my own website. And um, that's kind of how I got into paleo, kicking and screaming. <laughs> yeah, that's a great story. So... Uh... <laughs> From that, how did you jump from uh, you changing your diet to thinking about creating your own event, like the Paleo FX in Austin? Well, um, I'm not sure if you are familiar with the Ancestral Health um, Symposium, but it's kind of our sister symposium. And we were at the inaugural event in 2011. Keith spoke there. And um, when we were on the runway, um, getting ready to head home, at LAX, I just was like talking to Keith and saying, you know, I was all great. But you know, at the end of the day, people just really want to know, what do I put in my mouth? What do I pick up? What exercise do I do? What are, what are all these things that I need to do? At the end of the day, that's all they want to know. The science is great. They're okay with the science being out there. And um, they're happy it's there, but they aren't real interested in the science. And that's a, a clearly academic, scientific theory um, type of uh, a symposium. And I was just like, you know, what's missing is people need to see this. They need to, it needs to be hands-on. They need to get practical information about how to apply this in their life on a daily basis. And so that's where the seeds for paleo effects were born was on that plane. And we came home and immediately started talking about what we could do. We had intended initially for it to be this really small thing. It was going to be in our gym. We were going to do some cooking demonstrations. We were going to have some presentations and a panel or two, and then obviously movement sessions because of our gym. Um, but we had um, someone involved at that time who um, actually wasn't involved, but initially came in and asked us what we were doing, told, we told him, and he was like, I'd love to get involved. And he was like, but if you're going to do it, you need to just do it really big. Don't, mm -hmm. don't wait. Cause we figured we'd just grow it over the years. And, right. um, so we did, we, this was probably in November of 2011. We decided we were going to create it. And, uh, March 14th, 2012, we launched Paleo FX in Austin. So it's been quite the ride. <laughs> right. Um, I can tell. And it, it keeps on expanding. Um, I noticed last year you doubled the, the space, right? Uh, in 2015, we doubled the 2015, space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 15. Uh, are you still thinking about expanding to other countries? Yes, we sure are. Um, right now, what we realized, we kind of got ahead of ourselves because we had so many people asking us to um, go out of the country. And so we were thinking, oh, yeah, we're going to do that. But then we realized we really didn't have going overseas. We went over to London uh, yeah. and to check things out and realized once we got there, it was going to be a lot more difficult than we thought because we really needed to have 
everything in place. Like we needed to have an infrastructure in place for us right. to be able to hand it off to a team that would be over there and be able to put it together. And then us come in in the last six weeks and, and blow it up and, and get it going. Right. And so um, that's what we've been working on now. After we got back from London, we started really heavily working on infrastructure and building a team that knows what they're doing and, and have been creating all the processes and everything. So yes, it is going to happen. Um, we're just making sure that we have everything correct and right before we decide to do that. Cause we don't want to, we don't want to go overseas and it, and it be a big failure. That's just not right. what we're into. Right. Um, and, and why, uh, why England versus Australia? It seems Australia is much more pilly already than, uh, than England or Europe. The plan, the plan is to do both. Um, okay. the, the thing is, is that the reason we went to London was we had some other business to take care of while we were there. So we went ahead and checked it out while we were there doing other business. We did some business for ArcSpit and for Efficient Exercise, um, which is our other business. And so... Um, that's that's the only reason why we we actually checked out London first was simply yeah, it was an opportunity we already had because we were doing business there. So, right. anyway, but Australia is definitely on the horizon for sure. Yeah, yeah, because they definitely uh, seem to be much more paleo than the Europeans are. I was yeah. surprised a little. Um, the paleo diet is, um, you know, it's very slow to appear in Europe. Do you have a feed, uh, uh, you know, an, an opinion about this? Um, what, you know, I, I found that there's quite a bit of people in Europe that are paleo, obviously because they come here. Um, but I agree that we probably don't have the kind of foothold over there that we do here simply because I, I don't know that they have as many problems with food as we do because of the fact that our government is so heavy into subsidizing the foods that make us sick. And yeah. so they make the foods that make us sick super cheap to the public, but the public has no idea the real true cost of these foods is exorbitant. And then yeah. when you add onto it the medical costs, the right. health costs, the quality of life costs, <laughs> um, that these subsidies cost our country, people would be outraged and would demand that it end immediately. Um, but that just people are just have no clue. They're just not educated about this. And that's one of the reasons why paleo effects exists is to educate them about what's happening with our food and the fact that we are every day losing more and more freedom to choose our own food. That's and um, we, we, so I think that, that it's just not as prolific overseas as it is here. There's not, the food over there is not as dangerous and toxic to the public as it is here. And I think for, by and large, a lot of, of people are paleo that eat whole foods and vegetables and they don't even know it. They just don't identify as paleo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, simply, I mean, because there's lots of people that I'll be talking to and they'll ask me, well, what's paleo? And I'll start explaining and then they'll go, oh, well, I eat that way. They had no clue. So um, the fact that we've named it is, um, is something that, you know, is, this is the way our grandparents ate. I mean, mm -hmm. like I grew up actually eating this way and then shifted away from it as I got, you know, older and everything. But our grandparents ate this way. And then of course, overseas, they don't have dwarf wheat, which is the biggest, um, 
you know, obviously the biggest um, problem that we have here is the dwarf wheat. They don't have the high glutinous dwarf wheat. So people don't get, tend to get as sick eating yeah. products over there that are bread or pastas or anything like that. And of course, I have a friend that um, has been in Italy for a couple of months on a, um, uh, uh, an internship program and um, she's celiac, but she's been able to eat all the bread and pasta over there and not be sick. And in fact, actually felt really good. And so yeah. that just tells you the difference in what we allow here in this country and what's, you know, the fact that it's not allowed in other countries. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I just come back from Europe uh, just a couple of days ago. And uh, uh, to your point, um, on one hand, you see more and more evasion of the American style eating like McDonald's and then, you know, uh, the fried chicken and all that stuff. But it seems to be that only the young people are doing this and uh, because it's the cool thing to do. But the uh, older generation, they, there's a culture of cooking for yourself and cooking at home and not going to the restaurant as much as in this country. <coughs> so mm -hmm. typically when you cook at home, then the food tends to be fresher, you know, homemade, uh, you know, my sister eats pasta, my sister, you know, but she cooks, um, you know, fairly healthy, not, not paleo by all means, but fairly healthy. So they don't have the same issues that we see here. So that's for sure. So I, I, I can see that point. Yeah. Um, so tell us about the, uh, the upcoming, um, uh, event or paleo effects 2017, uh, Anything new and exciting? Um, I mean, you already have tons, tons of products <laughs> and, and all that. So, uh, We have a lot of really cool, exciting things that we have planned for this coming year. Um, a lot of uh, new changes and everything. Um, but we have some really great um, speakers that will be coming that we've not had before. Um, Dr. Josh Axe. Um, uh, Art Devaney will be there, which we are so excited about. Uh, he's like the godfather of paleo and um, really been an important figure for really progressing this movement. And so we're super honored and feel very privileged that he's going to be coming. Um, lots of, um, you know, are the usual suspects, um, yeah. Chris. Chris and uh, Cresser and Rob and Melissa Hartwig and Mark Sisson and Nora Gagoudis. Um, lots of really great um, speakers, Ben Greenfield. Um, the list is really long, so I, yeah. I'm never going to remember everybody. Right. So I apologize. I'm not trying to leave anybody out. It's just really sometimes very difficult to remember. Right. It's, it's, it's kind of funny because when, when uh, you go there and, and, you know, as a volunteer, I get to see what's going on. It's almost like a, a a gang now between you yeah. and these guys, right? You you hang out together, you party together, you talk with each other, and it's nice to see that that, that kind of friendship going on. Yes, well, there's that's one of the big things at PaleFX is the collaboration, the networking, the social aspect of it. I mean, we are social beings. We we need to tribe up, and so it it feels really great at PaleFX to um, be involved with all of these people who have a common interest like you, because, you know, in the outside world, we're, we all are weird. You know, when you go to a restaurant, you have to have all these different things you ask for, um, and, or you will question them about the origin of where some ingredient comes from. People tend to look at you a little weird, but in this group, 
that's normal. And um, the fact that this group walks around with their own butter and their own sea salt and all that kind of stuff is, you know, you, you find your tribe. And so um, that's probably a really um, big aspect of Paleo FX that I think everybody really Mm -hmm. enjoys. Um, We're also going to be, um, obviously picnic is going to be coming back. um, So they will have um, lunches and breakfast available um, for purchase for the weekend, which is great because it's been very difficult with Palmer to be able to get somebody approved to do yeah. our food. Um, yeah. And um, because of the fact that the city owns it and there's just all these red tape and hoops to jump through right. and picnic has been able to pull that off. And so they are also going to be doing our charity dinner this um, year as well. And our charity dinner is going to actually take place at Palmer, which um we're going to do a large event Saturday night at Palmer, which is going to be a big festival. So there'll be live music. Um, Obviously um, we're trying to get some uh, films uh, worked out that can um, be screened at Halo effects. And then it's just going to be a lot of fun. So a lot of really cool stuff happening. And then we have an outdoor area we're working on for this year as well. Yeah. Sounds great. Sounds great. So um, I'm looking forward to be part of that as well. Um, how do you see uh, Paleo effects in the few years? I mean, what's, what's in the future? So we talked about expanding. Any other um, insights? Um, yes, I think you'll see um, Paleo effects um, becoming a pretty um, big entity in the next few years. Um, as far as moving the payload movement forward, um, we, we have a lot of plans for expansion and being able so that we can hire a lot of people. Um, one of the great things about, um, about payload effects has been the ability to bring people on and give them um, work that's important and purposeful and that is changing the world. And so, um, that's our intention is to continue to do that and to um, make sure that we take this puppy mainstream. So we want paleo to be a household word and for people to actually identify with paleo in in some um, form or fashion. So. Right. Uh, do you, um, I understand that um, you are considered to be the largest paleo event in the world. Is that true? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and proud of it too, I can see. Yes, we are. We're very proud of that. It's, um, it's not been an easy ride, but it's yeah. been an interesting one. I can't imagine even putting an event like this together. It's, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm surprised you're still sane, actually. <laughs> I, I don't think that I am. I think I could actually be clarified per- perfectly right. insane. <laughs> I, I get the feeling that... Um, the, the one person that keeps you sane besides your husband is Crystal, isn't it? Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, well, she tries to. She does as good a job as she can possibly do. But, she's um, very, yeah. You're very she's lucky to have her. She's a good person. I, I am. I'm very fortunate. I have an amazing team. I'm super proud of all of them. They do. They just go above and beyond. And this for them is not just a job. It is. It's. Um, they believe in what they do and they believe that what they're doing is changing the world for the better. And um, so, you know, when you have a team that takes ownership like that, that's a beautiful thing. 
And um, I am very blessed to have everybody on my team. Um, but a really, really great team. So. Uh, we we certainly thank you for putting this event together and then kind of get the tribe uh, working together like this. Um, Mark, it's your turn. Right, I'm going to dive straight back into something you said right at the, the start of the interview when you uh, found out you were, you were celiac. <laughs> uh, obviously, there's been a big difference between how you lived life then with all the different health problems and issues that you had to, to how you live it now. What would you say the biggest change has been for you? Oh, the biggest change for me was mindset, is, is unlearning everything I knew. And really understanding that um, that it's really it's been a huge eye-opening experience about the way the world works and the way politics works, the way our government works, and so that's probably all. Uh, with this, the biggest lesson is understanding that the only person that can advocate for me and for my health is me. I'm it. Nobody else can do it, and nobody else can do as good a job of, uh, of doing it as I can. And it's not only our right, it is our responsibility to do that. And so that's another thing that I've really learned is that I'm responsible to this country to be a productive citizen, and to be a productive citizen means I have to be healthy to be able to to, to do that. And if I'm not healthy, then that's on, that's on me because I have – all, particularly now, I mean, now nobody has any excuses. All the information is available at your fingertips. You, all you have to do is Google anything and you're going to get the information that you need to educate yourself. And I think that that's probably the biggest key is that everybody needs to educate themselves. And um, that's probably even the biggest learning experience for me is understanding that I'm responsible and that I have to do my own research. I can't rely on anybody else. Yeah, this, this is what we're trying to do with the show as well, is educate people. But you're right. I mean, uh, we, we, each one of us has to take responsibility for our own health and not just pass it on to the doctor, the hospital, or the uh, insurance company. A lot of people, they say, well, you know, my insurance company is going to take care of it. But you are responsible and you should take care of yourself because uh, who better than yourself to stay healthy, right? Right, exactly. The other thing is I would also say a lot, most people put that back on the government and say, mm -hmm. oh, well, the government said we needed to do this. Well, I'm sorry, but the government is also padded by this special interest, big ag, big pharma, all of these things. And if you don't see that for yourself, I mean, it's a big travesty because, um, unfortunately, these are not bad people. I'm not saying they're inherently bad people. The problem is, is that they're very misguided about what's important. And so I think that, that people cannot rely on the government for their information either. They need to do all their own education, their own research, and understand. And the thing is, is that we're each different. So I have a completely different paleo that works for me than what works for Keith and probably what works for the two of you. And so the thing is, is that you are the only person that can actually understand and find those things that work for you because you're the only one that knows how you feel. Because you can tell somebody else, you can tell a doctor, but at the end of the day, the doctor really doesn't, I mean, 
unless they've actually been in your shoes and understand that it's going to be very difficult for them to help you diagnose what's right for you and what's not. You're the only one that can do that. N equals one. You have to do your own experimenting. You've got to figure that out. Yeah. And I, I can totally vouch for that. And I, I took responsibility for my health when I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. uh, because I did that, I've been doctor free for nearly 40 years. That's awesome. You know, and the last 20 or so of that as low carb. So you know, I found that was the, the diet that gave me the best, the best health I could possibly have, which is, which is great. But I want to come back to something you, you said earlier, you, you know, taking responsibility for yourself, which is obviously a good thing. You've obviously got the food side weighed up. And from listening to what you say, I, I would think you've got the exercise side also weighed off what do you do with regard to exercise uh well we own gyms so it's <laughs> it's easy for me because we own gyms and we have proprietary equipment called the arc spit and so i do get into the gym fairly regularly um not as often as i'd like and um you know the thing is is that um one of the things that i will tell you is like currently and i'm going to be um working on this through, I have a new website that's going to be launching soon, is that I'm going to be um, telling my story about, right now I'm actually battling some pretty um, tough stuff. Um, I have some uh, toxins, some biotoxins, particularly mold that I've been dealing with, and um, we're hopefully moving out of this house soon. Um, unfortunately, it all started when we moved in this house. And so... Um, been battling that it's caused a lot of hormone issues um and so i'm working through all of that and i'm actually going to document my story through that and getting that cleaned up and the thing is is that there's a lot of things that um we have to really be careful of i mean our our environment as well as what we put in our our bodies um we need to be concerned about the things that we put on our bodies and yeah. what our our environment is not just um, in our homes and where we work and where we, we, you know, play and all of these things, but also who do we have in our lives? I mean, cause that's another thing we have, you know, there's just a lot of negativity in the world and a lot of negative people and negative energy. And that's important to me is that I surround myself with people who, who think a lot like I do, who are positive, who are, want to change the world, want to do things positive for the world and who do not dwell on negative aspects of life. I mean, the thing is, is bad things happen to good people all the time. It's just part of life. It's part of what makes us grow. And if you don't have gratitude in some of that, I mean, probably the biggest growth factor in my entire life is the death of our daughter. And the thing is, is that um, you know, I could, there's a lot of people that go, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you get out of bed every day. Well, yeah, I could curl up in bed every day, but then what is that? It's not going to bring her back. And then I'm not honoring her. I'm not honoring her by living the best possible life that I can live. And by bringing something into the world that's better. And that's, uh, she's the catalyst for everything we do. And so instead of dwelling on it and, you know, always saying, oh, woe is me, my daughter passed away, um, which would be easy to do, is, you know, okay, what can that, what can that bring about that's good? And um, 
I just believe there's always beauty from ashes and, um, and paleo effects is the beauty that came out of those ashes. So. Excellent. Excellent. I mean, I'm in a curious position in, a, in many ways because I've been doing low carb for so long. Mm -hmm. um, I saw a lot of the problems that low carb went through, the growing pains and so forth. And I see a lot of that happening with paleo as well. Mm -hmm. and one of the biggest things I've noticed is the fragmentation that you've got between, I use the different flavors of paleo, if you can say that. Do you think paleo effects is one of those catalysts that helps to bring people more together under, a, I'll say, a more common theme of learning? I, I hope so. That's the plan. Um, the thing is, is like you said, yes, there are lots of flavors of paleo. There's low carb, there's ketogenic, there's, you know, um, uh, AIP, they're all, all low antihistamine. I mean, you know, um, or low histamine, sorry, low antihistamine, like total, um, what do you call it? Um, but yeah, I, I'm hoping that that's what we're doing because in all honesty, we have a whole lot more in common than we oh, yeah. do. The thing is, is why argue with someone about whether or not they eat potatoes? Who cares? I mean, like, I'm sorry. I, you know what, occasionally I have potatoes, but for the most part, I stay away from them because I just don't do well on them. But if I, if there's a great potato dish and I'm going to enjoy it, who am I to tell somebody else, you know what, you can't do that. That's just so ridiculous to me. I just, I get so like, I, I totally don't understand that at all. And it's that, it's one of the things that we've had is, is panels at Paleo Effects about the paleo Nazism about where people just get so they become paleo police. Well, that's not paleo. You can't do that. Well, I'm sorry. So crazy. Um, I think that everybody has to find what works for them and not everything is going to work for some, like I can't do ketogenic, but my husband does really well on ketogenic. I can occasionally do low carb and do okay, but I am, but I have to be, very, very mindful of what carbs those are. Yes. Um, because if I do low carbs with vegetables, broccoli, cauliflower, all of that, I'm good. But if I do low carb and my carbs are potatoes or starches, then I'm, I, I don't do well. And I know that that kind of doesn't go together, but I'm saying these are all of the different little things that we have to figure out for ourselves. And mm. I don't think anybody has the right to tell anybody else what their paleo looks like or what their diet should have, look like. Um, a, I, I think practical information. Yeah. yeah, I think practical information or giving somebody some advice is one thing, but to tell somebody else you're you're doing it wrong is kind of ridiculous, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I've noticed that as um, as a teacher and as a consultant, I. I find that some people take that diet almost like a religion mm -hmm. and they can literally get into it like uh, they would argue with religion or politics for that matter mm -hmm. and, and take sides and, and think the other side is wrong and, and be very adamant about it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm glad you, um, you brought these groups together. I've noticed that there was a, a kind of a more getting together last year when, when with the talks and people were much more accommodating of different videos. So thank you for that. Oh, well, that's, I'm glad to hear that because that's something that we are, you know, it's part of what we want to do is bring everybody together and, 
The thing is, is that it's even like um, just having this conversation this week, somebody was asking me what the difference, um, you know, what the issues are with vegans. And the thing is, is that it would be great for us to actually come together with vegans because we have a lot more in common than we do not. And um, the fact there are a couple of handful of things that we don't have in common. And obviously that is we consume animal products. That's it. That's all we don't have in common. The rest of it, we believe in good animal husbandry. We believe in, in humane raising of animals. We do not believe in factory farming or CAFOs. We don't believe in GMOs. We believe in knowing what, what's in our food. Um, in fact, I'd say that we're probably a little more strict than vegans are when it comes to that, that we're more uh, concerned about obviously processed foods, and they aren't. And um, so these are the things that I think if we came together, because the simple fact of the matter is, like I said earlier, our food freedoms are being dwindled away very slowly but surely. And if we came together, numbers, numbers count here. If we came together with vegans and vegetarians and just went about it as our, we need to go about it as this is our right to be able to choose what we want to eat. I think that the fact that, that governments are dwindling that away, I think that that right is sacred. And the fact that they are, are infringing upon that right is a sacrilege. And so yeah. when you talk about dogma, that's, that kind of cracks me up because people do get so dogmatic that they forget the big picture. And the big picture is, at the end of the day, do we want each to have control over what we, we um, want to be able to eat or not? Want to be able to eat the foods that make us feel better or not? And if we choose, we do, then we need to all come together because the numbers are what's going to keep us um, retaining our food freedom. Yeah, yeah I, I would totally agree with that. In fact, in my editorials and in many of the low-carb mags, you know, I've said to people, don't, don't push paleo away. You know, there's a lot that you can learn from paleo as much as the paleo movement can learn from the low-carb movement. Mm -hmm. You know, the opportunity not to pull each other down, but to learn. Mm -hmm. And uh, right. I think one or two people are starting to get that now, which is... <laughs> well, the, I hope so. <laughs> there's another side to it too, which is, um, I know I'm going to sound paranoid, but um, the, the system wants us sick. Oh, yeah. They want us sick. They feed us bad food. They then you pay tons of money to doctors, hospital, and the healthcare system because it's a huge business. So mm -hmm. I, I'm not saying they're hand in hand, but if you see a seed company like Monsanto that is creating genetically engineered food to control the seeds, tell me that's not political and tell me the system is not trying to control us. Oh, no, I totally agree with you. I, I don't think that that is tinfoil haddish at all, because in all honesty, if you think about it, when you have a healthy citizenry, you cannot control a healthy no. citizenry. You can't. Right. What you can control is a sick and dependent citizenry. And so right. if we're sick and dependent on our government, then we need them and they can control us. The yes. simple fact of the matter is when you're healthy 
and you have, uh, you know, your confidence about you and you are independent, then they can't control you. And so I totally believe that. And I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not about conspiracy theories, but this is a the simple fact of the matter. Look at our GDP. We're talking trillions of dollars in medical care. Yeah. Yeah. If we took took that away suddenly and people were healthy, where could we put that money? That's what I keep saying is, okay, stop worrying about where what the economy will do if we everybody gets healthy. Think about what we can do with that money and what the citizenry can do if they are healthy. I can't even, I mean, the, it's endless. It is limitless. It is everything it should be on the table at that point. What we could do as a healthy country would be unbelievable. Yeah. Right. Uh, that wouldn't work for the government. That wouldn't work no. for the kind of people that are trying to control us and trying to keep us, you know, dumb and, and, and informed and because, uh, like you said before, you know, all that information is out there if you want to. And I'm still surprised how what, what little interest most people have into staying healthy, staying uh, educated, staying aware of what's really going on, not just what the press is telling you about what's really going on. Well, uh, yeah, we could be here all day for that one. <laughs> That's, um, I, I totally agree with you. Um, I think it's, it's sad that people don't take their own health um, seriously and they don't see it as an investment. They see it as an expense. And I'm sorry, but it's the best investment you can ever make is your health because if you're not healthy, you have nothing else. You're not going to have any money. You're not going to have a quality of life and you're not going to have freedom. So yeah. you have to be healthy to have that's, that. That's what I'm telling to my clients all the time. I'd say, because they complain all the time. They say, well, you know, the kind of food you recommend is expensive. I say, well, wouldn't you rather buy, spend a little more money on good quality, healthy food that tastes great and keep you healthy versus buying all this crap and eating it that will make you sick and will spend 10 times or 100 times more in the medical establishment, you know, not to well, mention the misery. The, yeah. So my answer to that is when they say that it's expensive, is so is cancer, so yeah. is heart, heart failure, so is yeah. having a heart attack, so is all of the all of these things, diabetes. Diabetes yeah. is the number one income earner in this country in pharma. Number one. Yeah. And mm. I'm sorry, but the, I mean, if you are not controlling what you eat and you're not taking it seriously, guess what? You're going to be fall into those numbers and you're going to become part of that. And diabetes is not cheap. I think the problem is, is that people have been brainwashed from early on that they should trust the system to take care of them when in truth the system is out there to make money on your back. Right. They, to keep you sick so that they make money on your back. And that's, mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. what you see it. Mm -hmm. Well, so, that's what the whole system is built for. I mean, so the, all of our medical doctors are trained, um, right. are, are trained for pharma. They're trained to um, sustain um, medical conditions and disease, they're not trained to prevent or to cure. And right. um, there's some cures for lots of 
of diseases, uh, normal diseases that are out there. The problem is, is that people aren't doing their own research and going to the doctors that can help them and, and taking their health into their own hands and, and realizing that everything, the bottom line is everything starts with their food. Yeah. So, so I would even, uh, I would well, even further, I would say the revolutionary French guy would say, uh, stick it to the man and stay healthy. Right. Oh, yeah. That's right. Totally. I completely agree with that. Yeah, and, and it, it totally cuts their argument dead, um, you know, when they say, well, what do you do when you go to the doctor? Well, I don't go to the doctor. You know, I, just, I believe prevention is much cheaper and far more comfortable than cure. Oh, yeah. Doctors are expensive. <laughs> doctors are expensive. So, you know, when they say this food is expensive, doctors are expensive. There you go. Doctors yeah. medication cancer, diabetes, heart disease, those are all really expensive. Super Absolutely. Yeah. Coming back down to something a bit more concrete, when is the next paleo fix? <laughs> May 19th through the 21st, 2017. Okay. And it's in Austin, as usual. And it's in Austin, yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, where can we find information about the event? Uh, paleofx.com. That's P-A-L-E-O-F as in Frank, x.com. Well, uh, thank you again, Michelle, for being on the Low Carb Paleo Show and sharing your story with us. And like we say in Texas, à votre santé, y'all. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I appreciate that. You're going to have to teach me that. <laughs> okay, I will. I will. Well, Alan, Alan assures me we hear that everywhere in Texas. Y'all, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that part of it. Y'all. Yeah. <laughs>